Ladies and gentlemen, attention everyone. Welcome to No Picks After Dark. It's your boy Nick Burke, and you are now tuned in to the hottest podcast in the world with Aaron Dante, giving you the hottest interviews with the dopest people, sharing their experiences from your neighborhood all around to the world. Voted Best Baltimore Podcast by you, the listeners. Now, your host, Aaron Dante. Yo, Aaron, talk to him. Welcome to the No Picks of the Dark Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Today we have a very special show for you. We have comedian Mr. Ivan Martin. We also have lawyer, legal expert, Ms. Natasha Axelrod. We also have a special guest coming from the Charm City Collective Media contributing today. You can call her Miss Mai. Also, the main event, we have Miss Lisa Hawk. Can't wait for you guys to listen. Good evening, good day, good morning. What is going on, beautiful people in podcast land? No picks after dark. Aaron, Dante, how you doing, baby? Outstanding, outstanding. Well, I want to make sure I kick this thing off by saying happy Poetry Month. Yes, a reminder again, I know we had an outstanding time in Women's Month in March, but this month is Poetry Month. So if you have not found your favorite local poet, please go out and do some research on Baltimore Poets because we have some of the best in the world right here in our very own city. So check that out. Moving on to beautiful things in the artistry community, RIP to DMX. Yes, we have lost a great one there, man. He was an outstanding artist. And one of my favorite things, I saw DMX live when I was about uh, 14 or 15 years old. Great performance. And I've seen him a few times since then, but that was my first time. And the number one thing I can gather from DMX is he is the only brother that will bring a pet to a fight, beat you up, call the ambulance, and then pray with you. Shots out to DMX, man. Moving on to more and beautiful and better things. I am vaccinated, one of two. If you have not gotten yours, I suggest you do. That's how I want to end this thing off. Please go out there, get vaccinated. We are all about that and getting back to normal, okay? And the number one thing you need to make sure you do when you do get your shot, they're going to have a little section, a little place that you can take a picture. It's going to be like, stop COVID. Make sure you take your picture, okay? Because our parents and grandparents be talking about polio, and they ain't got no proof of that. You know what I'm saying? I don't see you walking around helping out people with no legs or nothing like that. I don't even believe you was a part of polio. My name is Ivan Martin. No pics after dark. Love you all. Hope you have a beautiful day. Enjoy Poetry Month. Peace. Visit your neighborhood sanctuary and do wellness for a luxurious experience for everybody. Treat yourself and a loved one with a massage, facial, for an entire day of pampering with our deluxe spa day packages that include lunch from the restaurant next door, fire and rice. For more information on booking or purchasing gift cards, visit their website at andowellness.com or call at 443-438-4048. They look forward to welcoming you and your loved ones to their beautiful new space at Soha Union, located at 4801 Harford Road, Suite 1. Hey, Aaron, as always, thanks so much for having me on the No Picks After Dark podcast. This week's Legal Minute will be a little bit about what's going on in Washington, D.C. with our national politics and H.R. 1. This is the For the People Act. It's being referred to as incredibly important modern day civil rights legislation. It's passed the House. It's been received in the Senate. And this has to do with voting at elections. So on a broad level, this seeks to make important changes to protect voting rights and increase access to the ballot box, 
having to do with federal elections. So I'm just going to give a brief overview of what this bill would do and why there's some opposition against it. So a brief summary is that it would require automatic voter registration, same-day registration, requires nationwide early voting, expands access to vote by mail, seeks to get dark money out of politics, makes changes to campaign finance laws, ends partisan gerrymandering, has some election security measures, some government ethics reforms like the required disclosure of presidential tax returns, protects against improper voter purges, restores voting rights for people with prior convictions, establishes public funding of congressional elections, and it contains an express commitment for Congress to restore the Voting Rights Act, which has to do with preventing discrimination in voting. And again, this is just a brief overview, kind of executive summary of some of the stuff that's in this bill, what it purports to do. It's a 791 page bill. People wonder why people get a little bored when they talk about politics sometimes and legislation, but what's the problem here? Why is this so divided along ideological lines with Democrats for it and Republicans against it? Well, generally those against it argue it's unconstitutional and that it would nationalize elections, taking away states' rights to run their elections as they have historically done. And really elections are run kind of at the local level by counties, for instance, and this would change a lot of that, that states wouldn't be free to do a lot of what they do now. Opponents also argue some of these measures open the gates to voter fraud and there'd be a lack of oversight would limit political speech and it's really just a power grab by the Democrats. So that's just a little executive summary of HR1, the For the People Act, what's pending and what is currently waiting in the Senate. You can find me on Instagram at Natasha underscore Axelrod. As always, thanks for having me, Aaron, and everyone enjoy this episode of No Picks After Dark. The No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly sponsored by Maggie's Farm. Located at 4341 Hartford Road, Maggie's Farm offers a unique dining experience with delicious handcrafted cocktails and mouth-awarding cuisine from falafel to scallops and everyone's favorite honey sriracha cauliflower wings. Open for dinner from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m., Wednesday through Saturday, and serving brunch Saturday, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. with delectable chicken and waffles, shrimp and grits, biscuits and gravy, and more. Check out Maggie's Farm on Instagram and Facebook for daily and weekly food specials as well. Hello, 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 everyone. It's your girl, Chamira E. Fleming, but you can call me Mai. I'm the host of the Purple Charm Experience podcast, and today I want to share with you my quote of the day. Besides pride, loyalty, discipline, heart, and mind, confidence is the key to all the laws by Joe Paterno. When you walk into a room, always wear the most important accessory that you have, and that's your confidence. Never let anyone tear you down or allow you to forget that you are phenomenal. So stand tall, be strong, and always let your confidence shine through. If you like what you heard today, please join me in listening to my podcast. I am a romance author and I enjoy sharing motivational and inspiring information on my podcast. I'm also a motivational blogger. So you can check out my website, www.creativecalfaray.com. And you can always hear on my podcast, fun sips of the week 
um, where I share my favorite wine and cocktails. And I'll also share with you the nuances for me of being a brand new author and an entrepreneur. And if you also like Prince, you'll definitely want to join them because I'm a huge Prince fan and I talk about him too. So without further ado, enjoy the rest of the show. At Fishnet, every plate served starts with the freshest, high-quality fish sourced from local waters whenever possible. You get fine dining excellence delivered in a cozy, unpretentious, fast casual setting. Delicious does not even begin to describe it. Everything I've tried is made from scratch and incredible. The best fish I've ever had. Check them out for lunch or dinner at Mount Vernon Marketplace. Get caught in the fishnet. You'll be glad you did. Menu and details at eatfishnet.com. Welcome to No Picks After Dark Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Dante. And today we have a very, very special guest for the main event. Um, This person, I mean, I will tell you, I think she's the mayor for the area I live in. (laughs) Um, You know, I've... When I first moved to the area, everybody was like, you know, you guys, you have to meet this person. And I've never met her in person. Actually, this is crazy. I've never met this person in person. Oh, never have. But I've heard nothing but great things about Miss Lisa Hawk. She um, owns a business in our, my, our neighborhood. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's called the Chop Shop. And, you know, it's where everybody goes. All the, you know, people get, get the hair, hair done, you know. And it's a beautiful thing because... Everybody tells their lifelong secrets when you're getting your hair done. Even when I get my hair cut, I'm talking craziness. So, you know, without further ado, I am so excited to introduce Ms. Lisa Hawk to No Picks at the Dark Podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, Aaron. That was also kind and generous to share. Um, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I, I got... Um, I got the the laptop open and I can't see my face, so that's great. And um, and you look great, so it's nice to meet you finally. Yeah, we've never people we have never met. Uh-huh. I she was a great supporter of the podcast. She ordered a couple shirts, and like it was when COVID was at its height, and you know I'm like knocking them out. She's like, leave it in the bag, leave it outside. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I don't even know this person. I just know her through various different people. And I'm like, cool, like, that's what's up. So, again, I am so excited that you're on the show. I'm so excited that you're here to share your story. And we can get into it. I mean, tell us just a little bit about you. Let's let's, let's talk a little bit about you, your shop. I mean, are you from Baltimore originally? Yeah, I'm born and raised in Baltimore. So, um, I grew up off of Cold Spring Lane um, in like Roland Park, which I think they call Evergreen now. So, you know, that was like the 70s and 80s. It was a different neighborhood then, right? So um, we had a rec center and I could roller skate up and down Cold Spring Lane. Can you imagine? And, um, you know, it was just a great neighborhood to grow up in. Hamden was kind of like the other side of the tracks right so we were right on the edge so i just had like that's early 80s kind of um upbringing where you rode your dirt bikes and roller skated and you walked the streets and you know there was no talk well you know there was a flasher always on this dude on Roland avenue and if you wanted to get flashed you could walk by his car 
but that was like the big crime of my childhood, uh, but it wasn't really a crime. So <laughs> from Baltimore and um, we're neighbors. We live in uh, Baltimore city together. And um, my business is like close to my house, which is really amazing. And um, I feel like there's my guard dog. All good. It's all good. I feel pretty lucky to have, you know, the option to walk to work, but also that if, you know, if I needed help, it was always a half a mile away or a hundred feet away. Right. So I think, um, I think this area has been like, I couldn't have done this anywhere else. Right. Like in 2008, there would have been nowhere else I could have gone into a basement and put newspaper on a window and been like, I'm, I'm going to be here making a beauty parlor. Nobody was in my business except to like, see how I was doing what I was doing. And, you know, a lot of businesses were popping up at that point. So, you know, there was a camaraderie on that block. Um, that was really kind of beautiful. And my kids were at the charter school up the street for the most part. And I, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy story for sure, but it is, um, it, it was not my intention to do anything other than to not do hair in my dining room anymore. <laughs> I was just mm -hmm. done with that. So I get it. I remember when I was younger, I used to go with my mom to get her hair done. And it was always at somebody's house, the living room and whatnot. <laughs> you know, it was like the waiting room was like the couch and that was exactly. it. Exactly. You know? And so I get it. I definitely get it. Um, so what it was your, I mean, besides the, the flasher guy, the fondest child. <laughs> <laughs> that trust me, that was not one of my fondest memories. So I will tell you that. Oh, you know, um, you know, there wasn't traffic like there is now. So there wasn't conversations when we were kids of going out to play and staying in a parameter. It was just, you came back when you came back, you came back at dark. And so, you know, you could roller skate down my street, Shenley road in the cold spring lane and not worry about getting hit by a car and, you know, then go down a stony run and hang out in the Creek. And that's, like what we did and this was you know early 80s so I think it's just kind of um the difference you know because I watched that you know what my language was with my kids when they would go out would be like here here not there not there and you're talking about like a quarter mile perimeter of our house and I just didn't have that growing up and I felt lucky for it you know that it was just different times um I will say my favorite memory is definitely roller skating down Shenley road in the cold spring lane. And you keep your fingers crossed as you're going down the hill, right? You're just like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. I love it. For people to head out, don't know, cold spring lane goes east to west and um, it's a busy road. It's uh, for the listeners outside of Baltimore. It's a very, very busy road. Uh, I mean, cars are always going up and down. It's always packed right now. I mean, it's construction on it all the time. It's just a mess. It's a mess. It's, it's a mess. And it's, and, and, and it should be said that it is, you know, it was like a main streets in between two roads that went north south. And on one corner of that 
is Charles Street, which is a big north-south road in Baltimore, and Loyola University is there. And then on the other corner, it's the end of the triangle of private school blocks, right? So everything just blew up in the 90s, right? The college blew up and bought almost all of Cold Spring Lane for housing. And then, you know, that neighborhood became like very desirable for two, three car families. And so everything just changed, you know, people got rich and houses got fancy. And, um, you know, I mean, my family's been in Baltimore for, you know, 250 years or longer, you know, so... And like part of the, you know, the Baltimore city kind of living where you lived, where you worked, you lived in the house that you worked in. And so until my great grandparents moved and bought their own house and built it, and she was a sculptor and he was a writer and he worked, you know, um, with, he wrote with H.L. Mencken on the, um, in the Baltimore Herald. And then it became the Afro-American. And so you know, they had indoor plumbing and this is Ruxton. So Ruxton was like a, a place where people had their country houses and then they bought three acres out there. And that's where my father and his siblings were raised. And I think he had a different kind of childhood in the fifties and in certainly the seventies and eighties, but, and then that neighborhood changed. I think growing old in the town that you grew up in, that has some like problematic, you know, lines of property, lines of city, redlining, things like that. When you see it after money gets poured into certain neighborhoods and not in others, it's, it's stark, right? Like Hamden is not recognizable right now. You know, it just isn't. Mm. <laughs> it's definitely not. It's definitely not. No. <laughs> so growing up, I mean, what, what did you inspire to be like? I mean, was there something like, did you want to be like be a writer? Did you want to be a doctor? Did you want to be a nurse? Did you want to be a teacher? Did you want to be a, a astrophysicist? Uh, uh, what, what inspired you growing up? Like, what were some of the things that you wanted to do? I mean, I don't think school never came easy to me. You know, instructional learning was just never going to be like my thing. So I went through quite a few schools and, um, <laughs> and it still never was the thing for me. So I think I cut my little sister's hair when we were probably three or four. I cut her pigtails off and then I cut mine off. And, and that was that. I wanted to do hair. And I cut all the Barbies hair. I cut all the neighborhood children's hair. I cut, you know, as I grew up, you know, the friend's hair. And, and then it was just time to kind of make it a living. So I think it was, you know, there, I mean, there's, there's a design thing that people it's like people who are really good hairdressers that are really tactile and perceptually very good at their craft, you know, it, it, they knew it at a young age, like they were good at sculpting, but they could go get their haircut, be reduced to tears because it, it wasn't exactly what they wanted because they knew exactly we, you know, we knew exactly what we wanted, but we could not transfer it into language. And then we would get a haircut that we hated and then we would break apart. And it was just like, and you could be the most tomboy person ever, but it was, there was something about, and I know other hairdressers this, that are this way where there is such a commitment to the perceptual place that, you know, haircutting has 
in its craft. Um, and then there's precision hairdressing, right? And those are people that go to school and craft shows and they do like the perfect bob and all of this. And, you know, that was just not going to be the way I learned how to do hair. But I don't know if I ever wanted to do anything different. I mean, I did envision myself as a famous actress, of course, but that was not going to happen. But I do, uh, I don't, I, you know, I'm 30, almost 30 years in, you know. Well, that, that's cool because that leads me into my next question there, actually. So, <laughs> No Picks After Dark podcast is sponsored by the Charm City Craft Mafia, Baltimore's best local craft fair, presenting Pile of Craft, a virtual craft show on the last Saturday of April, featuring handmade stationery, apparel, jewelry, ceramics, wall art, body care, small batch food gifts, and more, crafted by makers in Baltimore and the region. Pile of Craft will be on April 24th, 2021, for more information, please go to charmcitycraftmafia.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Charm City Craft Mafia. You learn your entrepreneurial spirit. Like when did so it sounded like you started was a hobby, something cool, something you like doing. And then how do you transfer those does that hobby into an you know, entrepreneurial? Was there somebody in your family who taught you a little bit about business? Or did you just learn business one-on-one by yourself going through the hard knocks of learning things and like kind of like what I did. I didn't really know how to do a podcast. I lost a lot of money in the beginning, but I just figured it out. I figured it out. Um, what about you? I mean, you know, I, I, I got real intentional about it when I had mouths to feed. Right. And so I was a mother at 23. So there was not, you know, there was not a thing that I did in my spare time that I didn't think I needed to earn money for, you know, because I had to make money and work. Um, and the way this industry is, is, you know, you can apprentice for a year and a half or so and then, you know, go get tested and get your license. But there is a hierarchy for sure inside of this business. And for me, it was um, apprenticing and I apprenticed in a couple different shops for years because I had to work to make a living because you don't make that much money when you apprentice. If anything, I was making $150 a week, apprenticing 40 hours a week, and then waited tables at night um, and bartended and did whatever. So it was always that work until you know, this business became my full-time job. And so I had two little kids here and a middle schooler. And um, the way that this business opened is a really like wild story. But, you know, I was in my dining room cutting my neighbor's hair. And she just said, you know, there's a little basement beauty parlor. I was a shampoo girl in, in the 80s, Miss Anne. I think she wants to rent it out. And so I went down there and the next day and looked at the place and it was really as if she had stopped doing hair in 1973. You know what I'm saying? Like the place was just this stuck in this bubble. And when you are, you know, when you're doing hair in that space for people that age, you're doing roller sets, you're doing perms, you're doing blowouts, you're having people that come in once a week for a set, right? And that was a business Miss Ann did. So I said, I'll take it. And it was $500 a month. And I didn't know what I was doing. 
Um, and I just started building the place out and learning about how to get a license and how to become an entity and make phone calls and try to get people in the door. So I spent about a month cleaning that basement out and I opened August, July 1st, 2008 in that little basement. Wow. wow. I had $380 to my name. Wow. That's what I had. So I, I didn't go to classes. I didn't, I'd had many amazing female mentors in this business and um, who ran their own businesses. And I just kept trying to like, um, you know, tap into their energy psychically and, you know, how was it, you know, that you can run a business, create a business, be the working member of that business and grow the business. And so this was before Facebook. So it was a neighborhood newsletter that just started saying, oh, I went down to this little place and, you know, Tina Perry's father, a local chef, her father hand painted my first sign that hung over the rails. A friend did the lighting for me. And then I was there morning, noon and night for weeks, just painting and scraping and cleaning and going to salvage yards to get stuff that I needed. So that was how I started. It was um, and I didn't you know, I, I have family that are entrepreneurs. My father, um, I wouldn't say he's a, he was a big influence, but I think that the spirit of it is probably, it must be hereditary or something. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, what you do, Aaron, is like, you're in the place where you're not taking no for an answer. And so there's all of these internal no's that really happen. And I think categorically heavier with women that are in the space of trying something new, where if there was failure for me, it would have been, um, you know, at the expense of me bringing money in to pay bills. And I mean, it was a really hard, hard time for my family at that point. You know, I was, I mean, the kid's father had just moved out. We were in a terrible place. There was no money. And um, I had these couple weeks to get the shop ready. And then I would go down to Clementine's and help Kristen with Clementine opening and then work a couple nights in another restaurant. I just worked my ass off, you know, but I think when you're in the place of yes, honestly, I think when you're in the place of yes, there starts to be a real understanding between the difference of that internal no and the external no, because the external no, I'm going to fight you. I'm just going to fight you. If you're going to say no to me, we're going to find all the reasons why you're going to say yes later. And then the internal no is stronger, right? It's like the voice that says, what are you doing? You're crazy. You should be thinking about a nine to five so you can get benefits of you're selfish to follow your dream. And, you know, all of that internal stuff that was only going to get in the way of creating the space that I really knew I could run well, which is the space it is now, which runs inside of the partnership of the other people that work there and the bodies that walk in that door. And that's how that space is created. It is not curated by me, right? So I knew I just needed to kind of pull through for um, a year and just see what happens. And what happened was that neighborhood opened me. It did. I wouldn't have been able to 
it's how I met my neighbors. I mean, people would drop their kids off and they'd sit in the back room and, you know, we would certainly have people hang out after hours. I mean, we had a really, you know, really beautiful way, um, opening of that business that just because people stayed out of our business, right? People let us do it. There wasn't somebody coming along saying, well, are you zoned? Are you this? Are you that? Let me see your business plan. Let me do this. Let me nitpick you to death. I was able to like be on this block in this basement and people left me alone. And it, and it turned out to be the right thing to do. Like, I just, I feel like leave people alone, <laughs> like let them do what they need to do. And it normally turns out really great. You, ever have, um, you talked about it briefly about, you know, you worked, left there and went to help out in our restaurant Clementine and worked other, everywhere else because you wanted to make, you wanted to make this dream happen. Did you ever have a close point when you were like, I'm done with this. Let me just go down to five. Like, were you almost close to that saying that like, and saying, you know what, this is not worth my time. Let me just get nine to five and call the day. Or mm-hmm. did you have, was it, did you have, uh, the, did the community embrace you also? It's a two part that, and did the community, you said the community embraced you. Um, Tell me like back in the day when they did and they were coming up, showing up, how did that make you feel being a member of this community for that? So that's two, two questions, two questions. Yeah. yeah, no, thank you. Um, I think that there's validation, right? When people come to your business, there's validation when people walk in and then they come back a second and third time. Right. And, but there is a different kind of, for me, there was a different kind of recommitting that had to happen every time there was another tear, right? Another thing to face or another headache because it's like 99 problems, right? And so I think that I had to change the way I was gonna face challenges. Was I gonna use language like that's enough, fuck this, I can't do it because that's my immediate reaction is I can't, that's my internal no, just screaming like, you're crazy, you should have gotten help, how dare you do this yourself? And so the re, the way that I tried to re-engage myself in that business, to recommit to it um, is to say, what is it asking of me right now? And do I have it? And because that is the part of this business that has to stay really intentional because it is a person to person business is that if I'm giving away things I don't have that I require back my time, my energy, my money, and I'm going to get pissed off about it. Not only will the services of the hair start to become diminished, but the energy gets really soured and it's ugly business to walk into a place where you're not wanted and then give them money. And I just, I feel like really aware of that because I've been in places as a client and a guest where I just wasn't wanted. My money was, but I wasn't. And so that is, that's the part. And of course this year it was just lots of that, like, right. So it was, you know, in March making the decision to close before being asked to close, um, felt like, okay, you, I can't sit around and wait for someone to tell me what to do. Right. And this is just the right thing to do. We don't know what's going to happen. And so we'll just reschedule everyone for two weeks later. <laughs> little did we know. Little. Did we know. Uh, so, yes. Um, March, 2020, Lisa was so naive, honestly. Um, I would say it was a lot. Of, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I don't get into a lot of things with what I do and 
real life, real life. But it's funny. My boss said, I'll see you guys in two weeks. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. now we had meetings and he's like, this is our <laughs> one anniversary. And I'm like being at home. And it's like, it's a trip. Yeah. It's a trip. And don't, and didn't you feel like if, if you guys were like, you know, we're looking at two years, if you went into March 15th, 2020, knowing it was going to be two years, it would have changed the way that we experienced this year, right? We would have just been shut down going into it and just being like, forget it. And I think that for me, it's like the, this kind of conversations that happen in the shop the past couple of weeks have been like, you know, my, you know, the women applauding themselves for their strength and resilience and saying that they should be grateful and that they are grateful. And then I'm saying like, let's never normalize this. Let's like never say that we are to not just not see each other for dinner and to go out and celebrate things together, but that we are we are to say that this way of learning and living and experiencing um, what it means to be in service to your community um, required presence. So everyone's present, like no one is shut down here. I just think it's, it's if I had known then, oh, this is going to be like two years, you're going to reopen and close twice, your mom's going to die, your business is just going to like completely get saved by the community again, and you're going to have to recommit to your business over and over and over and over. And that was the thing. And so I, I think that the recommitment to the business in times where I felt like just giving up um, isn't language I let myself use with myself in this business because it's not just my business, right? So there's employees there that count on it. There's a community that re-engaged us, you know, when we asked for help in December and re-engaged us to say like, no, we're not done with you yet. <laughs> You're going to stay. And, you know, cause I didn't think if we closed, so we made a decision to close December and January and um, knowing that there was going to be spikes, knowing that people were going to travel and pretty sure that we couldn't keep that place safe. And, um, and there's been, you know, I mean, there's all the business stuff. I think every business owner handled it the way that they needed to handle it with loans and grants. And, um, you know, I, <laughs> I'm not going to get into all that <laughs> <laughs> but I got some thoughts around that business, but I was not going to get a loan when Donald Trump was president. I was not going to engage in any banking practices as long as that was happening. And there wasn't a COVID relief bill on the table, like on this house table. And, and so I did end up, you know, getting um, an SBA loan last month to make sure that we stayed open. These are hard things to, I mean, I know you've heard it. It's just, they're really hard things for a business, a small business owner to ask themselves that is paycheck to paycheck business, not a million dollar business, not on their second million dollar, not on their third million dollar, that they really are under five employees and directly relational to a five to 10 mile radius their business is in. 
um, holds some value. It holds importance because it isn't just that. It isn't just that when you are on what we call main streets, but I, when you are inside of a building that people are coming to that know each other and then that interdependence is already there. So if Larissa said, you know, hey, we need help. And then the next five clients I have, hey, here's their address. They need, you know, that night that that beauty parlor and all the big mouths in it made sure that you had what you needed that night on your doorstep, right? And so that's the importance of the interdependence. I feel like that's what places like Blue Spark, the barbershop, um, you know, in our building and, and us are able to spread the word. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what, what have you, I'm glad you're talking about it. What have you learned about yourself from this whole experience? What have you learned about yourself as a business, as a business person, as a businesswoman, just doing her own thing, crushing it out here. But then you learn, is it a, is there like a, like, did you change your, did you see the world differently now? Looking back at it, at the whole, at the whole experience of this whole pandemic. Hmm. I mean, Aaron, I, I think I see myself differently. I think I see the world um, complicated. I mean, it's a complicated world we're in, right? And um, the systems are all a little bit of a mess. I think I what I learned about myself is, and is that I want to keep learning. <laughs> you know, like I feel willing, and so I don't feel stuck or you know, I'm going to find new ways to try and stay open. And that's kind of the willingness, right? But I think I've become a better listener. You know, I really do. And I think that, um, it, I mean, I can't say enough about this industry. So I've, I feel like this industry gets dumbed down pretty good. And um, I mean, you walk in a beauty shop and there's still like 400 cords on the floor. Like why are there cords on my <laughs> clippers when my there is a hydraulic nail gun in the dry? Like why do I have cords on my business? So I think this, and, and then, you know, we do this thing where we have to stay open and sell products at the same time, which we just don't do that there. And I don't think you need to do that now. So I think I was able to also, and having to take an audit of how we were spending money and how I was spending money, strong audit, um, that it was like, where can we cut corners and not call it cutting corners? Like, where can we just do better in, inside of the waste of energy and resources and things like that, that, that people are going to go directly to the product source. And I don't need to spend all of that money stocking my shelves. Right. But I think it, that also opens up another conversation to have with women right now that are just really, um, we're not up there talking about you all. We're not. I'm going to tell you right now, like there, we are not up there talking about anyone on the basement, getting their haircut in that barbershop. The talk is deep this year and it is uh, the, the vulnerability is intense and the growth that, you know, that the, the, the women that come in that building have experienced and are experiencing and addressing inside of their own lives that, 
you know, are, you know, are important to look at for them. There's for some of these women, there's no other place for them to sit and do that. Right. There's no knitting circles right now. There's no gatherings. There's no, I mean, maybe in some places, but you know, there's none of that happening right now. So the places that provide the community are so essential. And that was, you know, that's, I say 18 to 25 year olds vaccinated first. And then anybody who has a meeting place where people go next, you know, cause we do need to be together. We do need a place to kind of share this massive uh, weight of guilt, uh, not guilt of grief and loss um, because it's experiential for all of us right now. And that's been something. So what I learned about myself is I'm, you know, a better listener. Um, I'm, I'm still a blabber. I don't know if that's ever going to change as you can tell today, but um, I, I, I think it's that. And I think that business will exist as long as people will have us. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there is something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, carryout, and delivery. And they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Harford Road, Open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. Or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. Well, I, I, I want to give you, we, as, as young people call it, your flowers. Because you did something. So I, I'll always remember this. And I didn't know who you, I knew who you were. You know how you know, know of people, but you don't know them. You don't know really too much about them. Mm-hmm. And, um. I remember after the whole George Floyd incident and um, many, many incidents that happened last year. I mean, Breonna Taylor, God bless her soul, George Floyd also, and we go on and on. And, and again, I didn't know you'd like that. Um, and you stepped out, you stepped out and you spoke up and you, you really did. You did, you, you, you were a true ally in the sense of what people ask about allies. And I remember, you know, you, I didn't even know you listened. I, didn't, I mean, you heard about my show. I don't know how you heard about my show and you promoted it and you bought some, you bought shirts from me and it was just eye opening because, you know, I didn't know you from Adam, Eve or Steve or whoever it may have been. You didn't need to do this for me. I, and to me that everybody who bought something from me or started listening or promoted me, that was like a special moment to me. Mm. Cause I'm like, you know what? They really took interest. They're taking time to listen. They really want to know. And I just want to give you your shout out, your props, your flowers, like they said, that you did that. You didn't have to. You stepped out and said, hey, this is a good show. Maybe, you know, people need to listen what's going on and hear other voices. And for you to do that, that warmed my heart. And it really, really meant so much. And I and for what you do with the, throughout the community, through the podcast community and promoting other podcasters that look like me and, you know, the women podcasts are there that you promote. That's awesome. And that's what, and I, I love that. And I want to tell you that I never told you that, but that I always talk fondly about you whenever I talk with other podcasters and I'm like, you know, Lisa, you know, she has been a staunch supporter. 
she's awesome and I, I always respect and I always like to listen to her and you know anytime that she wants to give me advice I listen because you know what it's just we may we all may be different but we're all the same at the end of the day we all want the best things for everybody we want the best things for the world we want we want our neighbors to be succeed and you know I was so happy that you accepted my invite to be on the show because I want to tell you that from the world so you knew how I felt, how, how I really appreciate you as a person, as an individual. And I have never met you. I've never I know. You. I know. It's such a trip. This is, a lot crazy, but this is the world we live in now. You know? <laughs> I, wanted I wanted to let you know that personally, that I really, really, really. Oh, thanks, Aaron. You know, I've never got my hair did at your, at your shop, you know. Oh. <laughs> I, I because, you know, we, you and I have talked several times through just just uh, social media. Well, let's remember, you know, you did a healthy call in for me. And so I think that's the thing is how, uh, you know, inside of our community support, how ready are we to get called in, right? Not called out and canceled, but called in and like, hey, this is a little, uh, this is a bad take, or this is like not, really what's happening here for me. Let me just tell you how I feel. I so appreciate when that happens and it happens, you know, quite a bit inside of, you know, this, you know, this culture now. And I am a white woman. I mean, I, I live in a black city. I mean, come on. And that's the thing that is, um, you know, just so interesting and i think you and i do do some sidebars on it but i do think it is um you know in this business there there is just a hair texture divide and so inside of the hair texture divide the places look different there is a woman sharon who owns ladies touch and that is three doors down for me and she's been there 30 years but when i opened and our daughters were at school in the same place she was one of my mentors and we, you know, because she was, she's a profoundly amazing businesswoman, but she was able to like kind of take me under her wing in a way where she would just welcomed me there. Right. Because it's like, here's this like white girl opening up a basement beauty parlor on a block where there's, you know, two or three black women running beauty parlors very, very well. So I always appreciate that Baltimore um, waits in line together. You know what I'm saying? We, there's just when that happens and when it doesn't happen, when there's shoving to the front and all of that business and we forget to like kind of get to know each other beyond what separates us, mm-hmm. then uh, that's, that's the bonus of Baltimore, man. That is like the best thing about this town. Um and then there's a lot of heartbreak about this town, of course. Well, definitely is. Definitely is. And I, I wanted to get your view on, because I said, I, I call you the mayor of the OB. I really do call you the mayor because you know everybody. And I know you know, you've been here from the, you know, for, for a while. Um, and I'm fairly new. I'm fairly new to the community. I've only been here for three years, I think. And what have you seen? Has the community changed since you've been here? Like, you know, 20, 30 years? Have you seen a, a definite change for the positive going from when you first started moving, when you first moved over here to now, is there a big difference? Uh, I mean, 
I think it depends on the level um, or, or the place that we're looking for a difference, right? So is it easier in our neighborhood for a business to open if you are a woman or a black person or, um, you know, anyone else that is not at the top of the structural ladder, you can do it in that neighborhood and you will have support. Um, and that is really what is fundamentally beautiful because it is not, you know, these are all mom and pop stores to say that no one is franchised out, right? So on my block, there's, it's 99% women owned business on that block. There is no Bill Polar is the only man who owns a business on that two block radius. So for us, if one of us is hurting, we're all going to kind of rally. And that's just been proven and it's quiet and it's quick. But I think that that, that is not never going to change because it's guarded really well. So I, I see that there's a protection that goes on inside of the businesses that would have a hard time opening in another place you know, um, that stays solid. And then the things that I think, um, I don't like, I just am not a like get out of my yard person. So I don't really care what anyone does to their buildings or the colors or the whatever. I don't care. Um, I just want everyone included in that front door and, you know, that it remains a safe place for people that walk in that door. And so, um, I think that when we moved in, it was 18 years ago. So our, my generation of kids are already growing up and your generation of young kids will have different needs that you all will start providing for them. Like you want green space, you're going to, we needed schools. So charter schools started popping up. And of course that brought its own problems, but then, you know, we needed more playgrounds and then that got cleaned up and then Herring Run got cleaned up. And this is what happens when what's being paid attention to um, starts to get paid attention to. And then it's like, well, let's go deeper. Is this occupied land? Isn't there a story about people who owned other human beings on this in this area and we need to give them attention too? So there's a calling in that happens, but it happens best inside of the constructs of safety that people can feel called in and say, I can reflect here and I'm not going to be smeared all over the internet. I'm not going to be caught because we have to be able to do that because the exposure of inequity happens so clearly on a main street than anywhere else that we see homeless people. We see drunks walking up and down the street that could use shelter. We see people that are hungry. We have, you know, in this, in this five mile area, we have, under, uh, you know, it's it's 40% under the poverty line, which is a joke anyway, but that means you are really bad off. You're right. So where are we in service to that community if we have a front door that's open to everybody? Do we really mean that? And I want to see that more. Like, how open are you really? Like, are you open for just that or just maybe a little of this? And maybe they can't use the bathroom, but they can get a drink of water, but you know, like how much inclusivity do we really mean? And that is a tough conversation um, to have. And so when you did your round table um, this time, well, I listened to it in May last year 
Um, it was so great because we need those conversations and when they exist in safety, and I don't mean safety, like, oh, you hurt my feelings. I mean, safety in that, uh, yeah, that's a problem. That's an economic, you know, that's economically harmful. That's physically harmful. Like when we get called into the look at those spaces where we are existing as a business, that's more of what I want to see. And I think that only happens inside of a business that is laterally running in a healthy way, not hierarchy, not lateral, that everybody does have a say in what happens um, inside that business structure. And that's how I run my business. You know, that's just, you know, I don't ask anyone that works with me to do something I would not do. I do not think anyone works for me. I think we work together. And so, you know, I've got people that have been with me 12 years and has helped me grow that business. Wow. So talk, let's, let's talk a little bit about the business. Talk about the business. Tell, tell if, I, if I want to get my hair did, I want to come here. <laughs> sell, sell it to me. Sell it to me. Here. What, 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 do I, what do I get when I come to the Be More Chop Shop? What do I get? What do I get there? Well, <laughs> first of all, no mass, no service, Aaron. So take it easy. Um, we have, um, we're a small spot and we have uh, the services um, that are haircutting, shampooing, um, all being done during COVID and color um, we do crazy colors. Um, we welcome all bodies in there. And um, I, I think it's, you know, people keep coming back and I'm grateful for it. And I, I would just say that it's, um, we're always willing to learn. So <clears throat> we're doing our business differently right now. So we're seeing one person every hour and the other stylist, Lori Jean, and I work opposite days. So that no more than three or four people are ever in the building. So it's a new way of doing things. And of course, kind of the, the glory days of a hair salon or those Friday nights where it's full of women. And we've had plenty of those having wine and talking shit and sitting around and fixing the world and you know, we're, we're, we're just doing it. We're doing the same thing, but more one-on-one. -on -one. So we have a lending library there. Um, when we're open, we normally would run a donations at checkout, which is uh, we would use a Baltimore or national organization that could use some platforming and support. And if people want to donate, they can run their card and they get the money. So um and there's lots of Baltimore organizations to support. We haven't done that yet, but we're, we're gearing up to do it again. And so I think that we've looked at the last couple of years specifically as a place to share information, to grow other businesses. You know, three businesses have come out of that building. And so uh, that second floor has been an incubator spot. And so that to have the building quiet right now is really a trip. I have to say it is really something I'm not complaining, but I also like, I also really like spending an hour with each person and not hustling, you know, 30 minutes with each person. So it's more of a personal, personal fact, you know I mean? I mean, every time I look up, you got, you got people coming in old. And so, 
seems like the business is starting to pick up again. People are starting to feel a little bit more comfortable coming out. As you Would you say that or... Yeah. I mean, I think that the people that are not going to come in the building um, get haircuts on their porch. And, um, you know, we, you know, we're not working. um, We're working, we're open 40 hours, right? So in this business, it is a dollar by dollar, right? So dollars that walk in, for instance, are the dollars you make that day. There is nothing out, there's no other way. So <clears throat> that meant that we did have to do an audit. We did have to cut out subscriptions. We did have to stop. I mean, we, we you know, wine, things like that, all the things that then beers. And so, um, you know, we're not, we're able to stay open and it's great. And um, working 50% of the time has been a, a extremely healthy for me. I'm never going to go back to working like that again. You know, and I think that that's been the takeaway for a lot of folks. I don't know about you, but it's like, do you really want to go back to the new, <laughs> the normal before times? You know, I will tell you, uh, I was talking to a couple of friends and I probably would never, ever wear, I probably will always wear now on a plane or a train or any transportation, a mask. I just feel like now it's part of, it's part of life now. I mean, yeah. the little things like that, I probably will wear a mask. Um, the way things, I mean, going to events, I, I second guess a lot of things now. I learned that a lot of Americans are dirty. They don't wash their hands. So <laughs> that's right. It's so true. I learned a lot of disgusting things about America and what we do. <laughs> so I've rethought about, you know, shaking hands. I don't even want to do that no more. I kind of want to give people elbows and keep it moving, you know? Um, you know, I had my barber now when it was still a little bit warm and not freezing outside. I would have pay, I would pay extra, I'm not going to say how much, but extra $30 on top of it to have to come to my porch. Kind of like what you said. I do, I like, hey, come to my backyard, sit on my yeah. deck. I'll give you a beer while you cut my hair. You know what I mean? Just, just cut my hair. Let's hang outside. Um, I feel more comfortable that way now than anything. I like that. So it's another pivot. You know, he's like, I charge more to come. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'll pay for convenience. You come to my backyard, we'll sit out there. You cut my hair. We're outside in the fresh air. I'm all about that now. Um, so I'm kind of hesitant to go inside the shops. That's just me. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I think, I think, I mean, who doesn't like being outdoor and outdoors in the nature and just breathing fresh air, but um, I will still, I will go back to a shop. I mean, I'm not worried about that, but I prefer now for him to come. Were you ever doing house visits like that? Were you doing porch oh. visits for people? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, in the beginning when I started doing hair, that's what I did. I had my beauty bag and I was going to people's houses. I didn't, I said, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so I tried to stay in. Yes. Yeah. So I turned the back porch of the shop into a little salon station where I work. Laurie Jean worked on her porch and people that did not feel comfortable coming back in get porch visits. So I don't do it. Laurie Jean does. She's amazing. But I would say that um, it's interesting just because for a lot of women that come into the shop, we are the only other place they go to, right? And, and so to hold that trust with them is so valuable to me. And so we're double masked in there as employees. We have air filters in each room. We keep the windows open. Um, and eyewear and all of that, but, and then clean in between each client, but it is just so personal. So I don't, 
I get it. But, you know, remember like when all the Trumpers are like, oh, we want to get our hair cut again. So I think I had a lot of clients that didn't want to associate with like running back to the hairdresser. But when they came back in for the first time, they were just like, thank you, God. And I felt the same way. So like you said, like there's nothing like getting a fresh haircut. I don't oh. I mean, right now I'm my, my, I'm wolfing right now. And I'm like, because <laughs> I, like, I feel like, I mean, it's, it's, it's probably feel the same way for, for females. And I'm like, once you get that haircut or hair done, it's like you're a new person. Like nobody can tell me shit. I got, I'm looking fresh and fly. I'm ready to go out. Look yes. at that, that's how yes. I, I feel like a new, I feel like a human being again. You know, right now, yes. I'm right now I'm like, man, I don't even want to go out. I don't even want to go out. <laughs> But you know, that's the feeling that you guys give us. You guys are like really our therapists. You you make a, you, you listen to us. You, you sit there and salute to you guys doing that. That's amazing to me. You know, Thank how many you, ladies you. come to your desk and sit there and like tell their whole life stories? You probably hear you probably have heard so many stories. You could write a novel. Probably could. I could take this city down, Aaron. I'll tell you that. I can take this city down with all of it. So I <laughs> Just kidding, ladies. Your secrets are safe with me. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's, it's, that's all about. That's where I go. I like to. I like the camaraderie. I like talking. You know, talking about my feelings and my emotions and mm -hmm. things like that. And you know, it's the only place you can do that. And I remember when COVID happened, that was taken away from me. And that yeah. was piece that I enjoyed going at least once a week or every other week. That was one piece of my life that I enjoyed. That I could get away. Absolutely. I wanted to talk and say what I wanted to say because you're at the shop, you know? So, um, I, I mean, I'm sure you missed those conversations. Those conversations start to come back slowly and slowly. So, again, you know, salute to you for what you're doing. I know most of the people that I know, they go to your shop. They love going to your shop. They're talking about nothing but love and oh. respect about what you do. You know, I always do my homework before I do anything. And I always say, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think about the shop? Oh, we love going down there. I'm not going to tell you who because I don't, you know, Say names, but they really enjoy you and they really, really, they, they, they wouldn't have any other way to have you in the, in the, in the community and being a part of the fabric of the community. So salute to you, salute to you on that. Thank you so much, Aaron. That's so kind. I'm, I'm lucky. Okay, so we're going to do a quick speed round. Okay. We're going to do a quick speed round. Oh, okay. All right. Now they'll take it slow. All right. You got to talk real slow with me. So don't get me confused. I got you. I got you. All right. All right. Favorite group you saw in concert. I got to say the, um, the beastie boys. Okay. 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 I like that. I like that. So fun. What is your favorite thing to do when you're outside of work? Walk. Not, 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 roll, not, roller, not roller skate? I mean, walk, skate. Literally anything outside, I just have become addicted to spending time out there, for sure. I do do my roller skating in private, yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, I'm, just, I'm just throwing it out there. Um, see, um, crab cakes or crabs? Crabs. Okay. Drums or flats? I don't do musicians, Aaron. No, 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 for, for no, no, for uh, chicken oh, wings. just kidding. No, you're fine. I'm just kidding. Drums or flats? Uh, chicken. You know the chicken wing. And I know, I know. Um, no, remember you sent me these questions. Um, <laughs> uh, drums, definitely. Okay. Blue cheese or ranch? 
blue cheese. Okay, all right. So you know what? Some people like ranch. I'm like, come on. <laughs> That's sacrilegious to me. I don't, That's I don't. crazy. Um, favorite TV show? Oh, um, uh, uh, that's come and gone. Does it, could it be any show or current? Any show you want. Oh, I just, I thought that the, um, I thought that Parks and Rec was genius. That's a great show. That's a yeah. great Favorite author? <gasps> oh, gosh. Um, right now, um, Oh, that's hard. Um, I will say that I am reading a book of poetry right now by a local woman named Destiny Williams. Um, and her book is called Birthing a New Book of Poetry right now. And it's beautiful. But I am reading James McBride's short stories. And he is amazing. So James McBride right now is my favorite author. All right. What is the best advice you've ever received? Oh, mind your own business. <laughs> I, like that, I, like that, I like that a lot. Tell us what inspires you every day. Uh, I think that I don't feel inspired every day. I think that getting back to inspiration and being inspired. Um, uh, I mean, I think other women inspire me every day. <laughs> you know, for sure. I mean, it's a big ask for a woman to sit down in a chair and look in a mirror and say what she wants. I don't know if people really know that, but it is a real hard thing for a woman to do. So I, that inspires me. Those conversations really inspire me. Ooh. And this is where you plug the chop shop, um, where we find you or IG, are you on TikTok now? I, I, I don't know. Are you oh, God, don't get me started. Um, <laughs> we are on Facebook and Instagram, Be More Chop Shop. Um, if TikTok does happen, I imagine I'll go down that rabbit hole pretty quick. Um, our social media is, um, you know, not as fancy maybe or out there as other folks but we um i think our best work sometimes just doesn't get photographed so i think um our work you can look at on on social media you can call us at 410-426-2300 or email us at be more chop shop at gmail any hair questions any problems you're having with your hair, um, call us. I'm going to start doing some online uh, recipes for home hair care products and detoxing and getting hand sanitizer out of your hair. And um, should I cut it short or let it grow? <laughs> uh, that, that, you know, that's a whole different podcast. We're going to talk. That's a whole <laughs> so many questions. I have so many questions. Well, that's a whole different show. Um, Thank you so much. Oh, Aaron. Your day. Sit down the podcast. You know, you're in the hot seat for 30, 40 minutes, but it felt like, I mean, I feel like I've known you forever just talking with you today and, you know, really actually hearing your voice because this is the first time we ever talked, you know? So it's always yeah. interesting to um, do this. And and then you need to, you sound like a TikTok because what you just described was TikTok because I see a lot of hairdressers do that now. TikTok. They show what they do. <laughs> so I've gone in. 
And let me tell you, I can't get out the rabbit hole. It's it's, it's bad. Yes. It's I a- have TikTok and it is bad. I specifically go on there to look um, for ways that people um, make fun of their mother. I love those TikToks. I just love them. So I hear you. That's another rabbit hole. I really appreciate you asking me on here, Aaron, and um, just the kindness of it and the support you give so many small businesses in this, um, in this city and, you know, the Charm City Collective Media is such a great, great thing you've got going. And I think it's um, it's beautiful to share space with you. Hey, again, I appreciate everything you've done. And, you know, that's one thing I want to do is highlight the community. That's where that's where it all started, to be honest with you, man. You know, yeah. without this community that we live in, this podcast, I mean, it would be here, but it wouldn't be successful as it is. And the support that neighbors, businesses, other businesses have given me around this area has been amazing. And I can't, I'm thankful every day that, you know, I live in a community that, that really supports. And you said it, you said it, and you already said it in the, in, the, in the pod about how, you know, all these businesses support each other in that three block radius and how everybody supports each other. And that's what it's all about. And that's why, you know, you really honed on everything I'm thinking about, you know, and things that you talk about. I'm like, wow, she's, uh, everything she's saying, I co-sign, you know, and I, I thank you so much again for coming on the show, putting yourself up. Cause it's a vulnerability. You come on the podcast, you know, nobody likes to hear themselves talk on them. Oh. But then when they hear it, it's like, I don't, I sound weird, but you know what you talk, you shared your story. And that's what it's all about your story. And just telling about the company, about how you started, how you, you know, you started in your house and then you went and found a $500 place of rent. You know, you took us through that and the entrepreneurial spirit of that. And we really, really thank you for doing what you do in the community and for your business. And we salute you for everything you've done. So, Really appreciate you. Thank you, Aaron. That's really kind. I appreciate you too. Folks, we are heading out. Love, peace, and happiness. 